0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your I host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Matthewson wor- wasn't worried about? S I E R A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there and on the other, other side
1: of the screen team team is
0: Daniel Kern.
1: Like, if we just clipped together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame, it's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore.
0: And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Rianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris,
1: I am doing well today. It's our second show in three days. Uh, and we we have a decent amount to talk about. We had a bombshell of a story come out yesterday. Uh, we also have some unfortunate injury news, and we have uh, we have a very wholesome team to look at for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I guess we'll start off uh, immediately with that bombshell story. Um, yeah, it it uh, came out in in a tweet. Was it Doug Gottlieb who uh, broke the news? Something like um, that. Yeah. Uh, who I think is an Atlanta writer, he got word that um, Freddie Freeman's agent like pretty much withheld the final offer that the Braves were going to give Freeman because he knew Freeman would have taken that, which was probably less like, you know, we obviously don't know. We don't know exactly what the agent's motives were, but you can imagine that the, that, Freeman would have taken less to be with Atlanta and therefore the agent would have gotten less of a cut, you know, cause they get, you know, 10% of their salary or, or whatever. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty crazy story.
1: Um, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely good reason to believe that Freddie Freeman would have given the Braves a hometown discount in free agency. This is just such a depressing story because as baseball fans, I think we all, wanted Freddy Freeman to stay in Atlanta and we were all we were all slightly heartbroken when he left town like even if you know we personally have no affiliation to the Atlanta Braves or we're not fans like that that guy is the Braves he was there you know he came up with in the Chipper Jones era he made the playoffs with the team in like 2012 2013 had some good years then went through the entire rebuild from 20 I guess 14 to 17 and then you know he was the face of that club from 2018 to 21 when when they were in their championship window. And of course it concluded with them winning the world series, Freeman hitting uh, the home run in the eighth inning of the clinching game to make it seven, nothing, his final at bat as a brave Joe Buck had to ruin that, ruin that call. I don't know if you remember that, but like as soon as the ball went out, Joe Buck was like in what could be his final at bat with the Braves. It's like now brave fans have to listen to that forever. Oh yeah. Um, and it sucks that the reason he didn't go back to the Braves was extremely, extremely preventable, not on the Braves or Freeman's side.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. Like you would have hoped it was a thing of like, you know, the Braves were only offering like four years or something like that, or, mm-hmm. or um, Freeman's mm-hmm. price range was way out of, way out of uh, the Braves price range and, or like if they just wanted to move on with uh with Matt Olson instead of having a you know a, a slightly older Freddie Freeman, so, and you know more expensive Freddie Freeman uh, per year, like you would have hoped it was that. We, from what we understood, it, it was that. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember heading into last offseason, I wasn't even considering like any of the Freddie Freeman talks. I considered like all Freddie Freeman talks with other teams was just to get the Braves uh, price up. Um, And it probably ended up working. It's just this agent uh, didn't tell, didn't tell Freddie Freeman. Um, It's, it's really bad. And it's very short sighted by this agent who, I mean, I would imagine the motives are uh, financially based, um, but like, if he's fired now, I don't think he's getting any of the rest of that con any of the rest of the cut of that uh Freeman contract. And you know, he's not really going to be able to represent anybody after this. Um, at, he's at least he's definitely anybody, not going
1: to represent, yeah, at least anybody. Nine figure free we, we both just said the same thing, but yeah, especially someone with especially someone with certain affiliations to a town, right? Like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like free agents this year that like don't really have any specific affiliations like um, definitely not Aaron Judge like that guy I'm sure I'm sure Aaron Judge would get a slight discount to play in New York maybe not a big one but yeah you know if it's a if it's a difference of a couple dollars maybe a year at max I, I wouldn't put it past him to take it I don't know who's a free agent this year that like doesn't I'm, I'm just gonna go with a, a last year free agent just because it's one I can think of Starling Marte like I don't think there was any specific team like I mean between the Pirates you know the Diamondbacks the Marlins the A's like I'm sure he has the most affiliations with Pittsburgh but I can't imagine any of those four teams were gonna make a big push to re-sign him last year yeah I would say like so like you know that's a fair one but Trey Turner Trey Turner that's fair but the Dodgers probably could go for him
0: yeah yeah for sure um it, yeah, it was a surprise to me that didn't seem to be any extension talks with him. But I guess that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah very short-sighted by by this agent. Um, and yeah, it just nobody feels good after this. The fans don't. Freddie Freeman doesn't. The Braves don't. The
1: the Dodgers. I can't imagine. Don't. Yeah, the Dodgers probably don't. Yeah. yeah well, how can the Dodgers feel good knowing that the big guy they signed very clearly doesn't want to be there? Like nobody nobody wins here because the agent doesn't win. He got fired. He's not getting any of that salary now. Literally nobody wins coming out of this. And that's just the most upsetting thing, I think.
0: It's it's such a it's the it's the anti-wholesome moment. It's it's so bad. <laughs> I,
1: I think the only the only the only people you can make a case for is like fans of other NLE's teams.
0: Um Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Like if you're uh, a Mets fan, it's like, oh. I'm glad I'm glad that agent didn't tell Freddie Freeman the contract so that he got out of the division or a Phillies fan or Marlins Nationals. But even then, I think they can see the bigger picture here.
0: Yeah, it is funny because this does seem like something that would happen to the Mets, but happened to the Braves instead.
1: Um. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's it sucks, man. Like,
0: I yeah, it's kind of crazy. lost my train
1: of thought for a second.
0: It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think like he just found this out. He's got five and a half more years with the Dodgers. It's not like this is, you know, it was a big free agent contract, six years, $162 million. I wonder. You can't really move him.
1: I wonder how this leaked to him, too. Because, yeah, no, you can't, especially with the Olsen contract, that's going to make it even more tough. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I could very well see maybe at the end of the contract, if the Dodgers aren't feeling it, they release him in the last year and he goes back to Atlanta. Or just if that contract expires and he's still good enough to play, he goes back to Atlanta. Like, I, I don't think, I'm not convinced that we've seen Freddie Freeman's last game as an at Atlanta Brave. But I mean, he's going to lose s- six years where he could have been playing there, you know, with yeah. a team that is competing.
0: Yeah. And it's not just like, it's not just the team. Like he made, he made his life, you know, in the Atlanta area, his, you know, he has a family that he had to move to California probably um, that he was kind of reluctant to do because he didn't have the correct information on what the Braves were offering him. So uh, yeah, very messed up. Um, And yeah I like yeah i lost my train of thought a little bit too but um
1: (laughs) i think i think this makes everything make a lot more sense for the braves because you know the narrative was why wouldn't they go out and spend a couple more dollars on freeman and, and move on to get olsen instead we now have our answer and you know what it makes perfect sense they gave an offer that they thought freeman would take he didn't so they were like okay we we don't have a first baseman, let's go get Madelson and and you know, let's have long term stability over there while we don't have Freddie Freeman. So at least the replacement isn't, you know, someone that fans are upset about. And that's that was probably the best way that the Braves could have gone about it, but of course, through no fault of their own, they had to they had to resort to that when they could have had something better.
0: Yeah, yeah, exact exactly. Like um Yeah, it it really it really sucks because like Freddie Freeman in Atlanta, just, it made so much sense. He was there for 12 years. Um, and you know, based on how this thing went, like maybe it was a five-year deal. So he should have been there for 17 years, maybe 18 years, um, depending Mm -hmm. on the, the contract situation. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's just a it's just a bad story because as you say no one wins.
1: Yeah, nobody wins. Like I would hate to be a Dodgers fan knowing that Freddie Freeman, like his heart is never going to be in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Even like like you know like if you look at look at guys like Mookie Betts, like he came over from Boston. He was a different person. His heart's in L.A. Like that was you know that's definitely a cool thing for a Dodgers fan to see is we get this superstar and he clearly wants to be here. We get this superstar and through no fault of anyone's own in the, in, you know, between the Dodgers, between Freeman, between the Braves, through nobody's fault. He doesn't want to be here.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we haven't really heard of a story. really like this, at least in recent memory. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting. The, um,
1: the, like the agent and like the company he works for is uh, filing a lawsuit or trying to take legal action against the the journalist who who leaked to this saying that it was false information and I I have a hard time believing that like I don't think it's a coincidence that this came out right after Freddie returned to Atlanta because you know what he probably met with some of the Braves front office catching up with them and he probably heard this while there because I mean, you know, it's it's normal for people to be emotional during their homecomings, but Freddie was, he was really, and you know what, maybe it was because he had just learned of this information that he should be a brave.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like his, his heart was always there. Um, And yeah, he probably, yeah, he probably wanted to know what was, what was going on there and why he couldn't sign. And, you know, I, I mean, like. I wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it past anybody to get some details of a story wrong um, however, by the looks of it, how it's been reported, yeah, it looks very bad looks
1: very bad on uh on all fronts for that agent. <clears throat> um, I don't think it's a coincidence that this came out right after Freddie returned to Atlanta like if this story came out in you know like... In early April, when it was kind of random, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. But no, it, everything lines up here. Like, Freddie might have talked to someone when he was at Truist Park this weekend. He might have found this out. He might have talked to his agent and learned the truth, fired him. I mean, Freddie fired him right after he went back to Atlanta. Like, this story. Like, not only did this story leak right after he went back to Atlanta, but he it came out after he fired his agent, and he fired his agent right after he went back to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, yeah um yeah as you as you mentioned he was he was very emotional i mean i i can imagine just <laughs> being back in that ballpark seeing all all the fans that are still rooting for you um you know in in their own way uh mm-hmm. you know compared to being in a new setting in, in Dodger Stadium where you're the new guy um yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, that it made him upset that he, that he was not playing for the for the Braves.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna be reminded of this every every year. By the way, I mean like Dodgers and Braves face each other in the postseason, which is very possible. Hey, Freddie Freeman should be on this side, and they're gonna face each other twice every year. You know where Freddie wants to be. Um. And, yeah. yeah. Like the Braves did everything perfectly fine. Like they, you know, I don't blame them for the way they handled this situation because they run the assumption that Freddie wasn't coming back under what would have been a good offer.
0: Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, well uh, do um, anything else
1: on this, uh, on this story? I think I said everything I wanted to, this just, like I said, nobody wins here
0: yeah for sure for sure um i guess uh i guess we'll, we'll sandwich we'll sandwich some wholesome content in between some bad news we'll, we'll yeah we'll go to the uh the surging baltimore orioles um yes that is, that is said a little bit tongue-in-cheek but they have clinched their first winning month since august of 2017 um they're the best last place team in Major League Baseball. They're, I mean, there's six, there's six games below 500. Um, they've, you know, they're 14 and 11 in the month of June. Uh, Adley Rutschman is is developing uh, very well, especially this month. He's been doing uh, he's been doing pretty well. Um, their pitching staff looks much better. Uh, yeah, they're they're uh, really really kicking some butt
1: this uh, this particular month. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you just mentioned Adley. He's kind of, we've seen a lot of this with the big prospects this year. And this is kind of what we see with a lot of prospects, but the turnaround is happening very quickly where, you know, the first few games are tough, but eventually pretty soon, they start figuring it out. You know, we've seen it with Bobby Witt Jr. We've seen it with Julio Rodriguez. We're seeing it with Adley Rushman right now where, yeah, UT does have a 694 OPS, but he had what, 10 doubles in the month of June and there's still a game to be played. Possibly, yeah. I don't know if they're playing tonight. Uh, his um, his batted ball profile is interesting. A 37% ground ball rate, um, a 22% fly ball rate, 29% line drive rate, 10% pop-up rate. That's got to change, but I mean, there's I think there's very good reason to believe that that will change. Uh, he's pulling the ball 46% of the time, so like he has no problem catching up to major league pitching, which is definitely an encouraging sign, because I would imagine he's probably just seeing straight fastballs right now, 52% fastballs. Um, So yeah, he's seeing that a lot more than usual, but no problem catching up to it, which is definitely a very encouraging thing to see at this stage of his career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And looking at the Orioles, uh, like individually this month, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the players who are doing well are players you could see in future Orioles lineups, like a few years down the line. Um, you start off with uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who is hitting uh, 297 with a 959 OPS this month. Um, his slugging in the month of June ranks 12th in all of baseball. Um, Trey Mancini's been doing pretty well, he's hitting 229 with a 782 OPS. Uh, Cedric Mullins has a 121 weighted runs created plus and five stolen bases. Austin Hayes has a 121 weighted runs created plus. Um, Adley Rutschman is uh, sixth in the major leagues in doubles this month uh, with 10. And he has a 117 weighted runs created plus this month. Um, so offensively, they, they have some guys who are who are, you know, kind of destined to be part of the Orioles future. Even if Trey Mancini is a little, he's, he's, uh, he's not super young. um. Although he's, I think he's still at his 20s. He's
1: a, I believe he's a free agent to be, but honestly yeah. I think there's great reason to believe the Orioles keep him in free agency because like at this point they would have. like, first of all, I don't think they're going to trade him this year. And the one year that they are, you know, they're not, I don't think they're competing for the playoffs, but This is the this is probably the best year that the Orioles have had since you could argue 2016 record-wise it'd probably be 2017, but I mean there you know the Orioles have something to root for, and I think it'd be weird to trade Trey Mancini now, even if it's the last you'd get to get value from him. But he's already stated that he wants to be in Baltimore. You know, he's obviously he's been through the entire rebuild through his, his i guess his prime years you know his first year of service time was 2017 if he if he was going to leave i think they would have just traded him by now already
0: um yeah yeah like he would have had more value if he was traded yeah. you know with more control on his on his hands um,
1: i know um the brewers like we're going, we're like pushing for him at the trade deadline last year and the Orioles just didn't end up giving him, giving him up, which I have no problem with. Like that's, you know, obviously for on and off the field reasons, he's a very special guy in Baltimore. Um, was he a Roberto Clemente award winner? Um, I'm pretty sure he won the Roberto Clemente award or at least he was nominated. And of course, um, you know, there was everything he, he went through in 2020 with the, um, the cancer diagnosis and the, the comeback that he's had from that, which has just been remarkable. You know, he's been an easy guy to root for even without that. But of course you add that onto it and it's, he's one of the most likable players in the league. And I think that's a guy that a lot of people would want to see on a competitive Orioles team in the future.
0: Uh, Yeah, I would agree. I th- yeah. I think Baltimore is, is kind of a, adopted him in a way, um, mm-hmm. you know, he competed in the home run derby last year you know, the year after he, uh, recovered from cancer. Um, so yeah, like, uh, yeah, I I would imagine it, you know, I could definitely see him sticking around for sure. Um, and he shouldn't, he shouldn't cost too much either. So I think he's in the Orioles price range as well. If you're, if we're wondering about that, um, but, uh, in terms of other Orioles succeeding, um, I noticed, uh, throughout the year, the, uh, Orioles bullpen has been Mm -hmm. something else. Like they are sixth in major league baseball throughout the whole year in ERA. The, the Orioles bullpen has a three, two, two ERA. Um, they're only allowing 0.7 home runs per nine. Um, and if you go individually, um, I li- I highlighted Jorge Lopez last week. Um, he's been outstanding, one of the best relievers in baseball this year. Um, but also Dylan Tate has a one nine six ERA, two nine seven FIP. Uh, uh, Felix Batista, thirty innings pitched, one point five zero ERA. Uh, I I don't even know how you pronounce this guy's name. Sionel Sionel Perez. Colonel, I don't know, but, I think it's who, Colonel Perez. Colonel Perez, whoever he I is, I might be wrong though. He has a 1-1-4 ERA and in twenty three and two thirds his pitched, uh, you know, even Keegan Aiken, he's got two three five ERA. He's he's he hasn't really been known for uh being a, a, a great pitcher up to this point, but he has a two three five ERA this year out of the bullpen. Um, yeah, he doesn't have any starts this year, and uh, Joey Creb Crable, Crable, Joey Crable has a two seven O ERA in 26 and two thirds in his pitch. So there's a lot of Orioles relievers succeeding. Um, and I don't know. I think they're all, they're all on the, on the younger side. And I think would have some key team control. So maybe you can, maybe that's something to build off of uh, in, in the years to come, I guess.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about one of those guys that you mentioned, Felix Batista. Uh he's been one of the talking points in the Orioles since literally day one. Like I think Petriello pointed him out in like the first week of the year. He's one of those guys where if you if you want to see if he pitched that day, you just gotta to go to the the stat cast like game leaderboards to see like the highest pitch velocity. And if you, you know if you see him five times, he pitched. If you don't see him, he didn't pitch.
0: Ah. Uh, you, you, know, you know those guys? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's like Emmanuel Colase, uh, Hunter Green, Felix Batista is is, um, is on that, you know, he's one he's in that tier.
0: Right, right. Yeah, now I'm now I'm very curious to see what his numbers are.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well I can tell you since June eleventh, which is the the date that I reference that I'm referencing throughout this uh this segment. He's pitched six innings. He has 16.5 strikeouts per nine, three walks per nine, no home runs allowed. He does have a 417 BABIP, so his ERA is at 150 with a FIP at 046, which is, uh you know, very, very unlucky. But, I mean, a 41% ground ball rate, he's doing well with that. Uh, average fastball velocity of 99.7 miles per hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's someone who you like to have, uh, is he, he's a rookie this year?
1: Uh, yes, I believe so. Either that, or maybe, maybe he pitched like a little in 2021.
0: Yeah. Cause I noticed when I looked him up on Savant, it said number 30 prospect for Baltimore. So that means he hasn't mm-hmm. accumulated 40 innings for the, in the majors yet. Um,
1: no, he definitely has not.
0: So, and he's, uh, he's 27 and yeah, you're looking at someone who, um, is a very much a potential late innings, uh, reliever for the Orioles. Um, so that's, he's, uh, he's very intriguing for sure. Um, well, uh, I want
1: to highlight the rotation real quick. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. So, I mean, first of all, the Orioles' pitching just as a whole uh, leads the majors in F four since June eleventh at three point three. The the Braves are the next closest team at three point one, but the Orioles are on top, and that's a fit based stat. So that means they're you know they're doing the things that they can control right. And the rotate you know the bullpen is obviously the highlight, but uh, in this span the rotation has the third highest F four at one point nine. They have a three forty five yard right a three. Speed Seven, eight FIP, excuse me. And there's no one that's like overwhelmingly good, but it's just you look up and down in this rotation and it's just guys that are getting the job done. Uh Dean Creamer has been probably the highlight in 23 and two-thirds innings throughout four games started. Uh he has an 038 ERA. 038. He does have a 266 FIP, which is, you know, two full runs higher, but regardless of your ERA, you see a guy with a two six six FIP and you're like, that guy's good. Yeah, you know, there's no other way to look at it uh our player to watch Tyler wells uh he does have he, his strikeout rate has gone down pretty significantly but the walk rate is still there the whole runs are okay his he also has a FIP that's uh two runs higher than his era but you know you know what you're gonna see a lot of that uh <laughs> on the orioles i guess um yeah. when there's that's nothing specifically wrong with that but you know this rotation isn't built to be completely dominant they're just you know they're meant to get the guy the job done and that's exactly what they're doing Jordan Lyles uh, he's been doing okay seven seven twenty three strikeouts per nine two eight nine walks per nine 0.96 home runs per nine Um, his fib is at 404 which is fine like it's you know it's acceptable Spencer Watkins uh, he's only started one game throughout this span but uh, he he went five scoreless innings with a 720 strikeouts per nine 180 walks per nine no home runs allowed everything everyone's just been getting the job done really
0: um yeah yeah like just a, a very quality team effort from the orioles uh this past month mm-hmm. really just uh yeah as you say getting the job done um mm-hmm. providing some hope i mean like They've been in last um, every year except for 2020 since 2018. If I mean, if that 2020 mm-hmm. season went on 100 games longer, I guess it would have been
1: more likely they uh, they finish in last. Also, um, but even then, they had like what the fifth pick in the draft or something like that, like in yeah. 2021. Like uh, just because they didn't finish last, doesn't be doesn't mean it was a big upgrade of a season for them.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's funnily enough they'll probably still finish last this season. However, but know, they're in they, the
1: best division.
0: Yeah, they're in the best division, and I should do um, some calculations. Uh, if they were in the AL West,
1: they'd be fighting for second place right now.
0: That's that's true. Um, they're currently
1: on pace for like the with, they're thirty. 30- which is encouraging. Uh, the Orioles are thirty-five and forty-two. The Rangers are in second in the AL West with a thirty-six and thirty-eight record. Um, so, like, they would be fighting for second place in the AL. West. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, yeah, like they're they're on pace for
0: seventy-five wins. Um, last I mean, you know, obviously, that's not in you know playoff contention however this is a team that won 52 games last year and then the 162 game season before that i think it was 54 and then before that it was 47 so they're doing 20 yeah. you know they're on pace to do 20 games better than they had been doing um up, they have in this season and um you know they still have they still have quality prospects um you know, in the in the wings, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, most notably, and then um, also DL Hall is is. is Gunnar uh, Henderson coming up. Oh, uh, what's his
1: name? Gunnar Henderson. He might be. He might not be ready. Yeah, but is he but top one? Is... top one hundred. Yes. Um. He's a starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, like the or if the orioles are able to develop some starting pitching i mean would be the first time he's
1: eh, he's been in triple a for 19 games he's played 19 games (sighs) in triple a he's slashing uh 329 448 629 1077 ah nice that is a position player not a uh he's a shortstop slash third baseman not a pitcher that's my mistake um that's a guy that could be like a September call-up type of guy if they're really feeling it.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, they've, they're, they're, yeah, they're definitely developing some players. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think there's reason to believe, you know, they're, they're going to reach like a 70 win mark this year. They're going to keep developing over the next couple of years and, uh, you know, I guess it's good if you're an Orioles fan to finally see a year where they're probably not going to lose a hundred games. Um, yeah, I think, uh, they've, they've really been, they've really been surging lately. So good for them.
1: Yeah. We're, we're excited to see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been too long, been
1: too long. Um, so, the Jeremy uh, Hellickson trade that set the franchise back five years. It did. It did, unfortunately. Um, all right. So
0: do we want to uh, get into the other bad news of the past week?
1: Of the – yes. The other – yeah, the other bad news, I guess, of the NL East, technically.
0: Yeah, technically. Um,
1: the other one was East slash West.
0: Yeah. Um, Bryce Harper uh, has to get thumb surgery. Um, it's I, I know in the initial post, it said the Phillies hope to have him back this season, which isn't, you know, a good sign. That means he's missing at least a couple of months. Um, really tough. says
1: six to eight weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, either way, pretty tough blow for the Phillies um especially you know they didn't get out to the start they wanted to they had to fire a manager currently they're two games above 500 um yeah this is this is in what's been a competitive division and you know a competitive playoff race
1: and yeah like pretty big blow Yeah, this is probably the worst time to have something like this happen. Of course, you mentioned sort of the roller coaster season that Philly fans have already endured in the first three months here. You know, you fire a manager because things have not been going well. Then you immediately start streaking afterwards. You get above 500. The team that's, you know, in first place has been kind of kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. You get within seven games and, you know, all of a sudden things are possible. You know, it's still there's still a long way to go. But you know the there is that light at the end of the tunnel but now you're going to have to go without your best player for much of the rest of the season and yeah i mean it's that is a huge huge setback for this team yeah
0: very much so i mean he's um he's you know been the been the heartbeat of that offense um i mean you could argue pretty much since he got there um in philadelphia yes and I'm trying to look at the rest of the rest of the Philly statistics and Bryce Harper's but baseball reference is not loading up right now. I
1: mean who's who's been better since since he's been there? No one.
0: Yeah, definitely no one. And like I think I think the Phillies, you know, they in their uh, in in their um, off in the offseason last year, I think they tried to get some offensive help. Um, I don't think it's been quite what they wanted it to be, um, in terms of offensive help. And Bryce Harper still kind of had to shoulder the load. As uh, I have I have some statistics pulled up now. Um, Go right ahead. Yeah, Bryce Harper has a 985 OPS this year, um, for a 176 OPS plus. I mean, his OPS plus this year I believe is better than it was uh, last year when he won 176.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Oh, actually it's, it's four points lower, but also his OPS is significantly lower because league stats are different.
0: Yeah. But you know, it's, 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 it's the league, you know? Um, and uh, you know, he's, he's been, you know, shouldering the load for that uh for that Phillies offense and it's uh, now that's taken away. Um, you, you're going to have to rely on more on uh, guys like Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, who have been good this year. Um, Nick Castellanos has been a, a bit disappointing, so uh, guys like him are going to have to step up. And I think guys like JT Realmuto on the offensive side are also going to have to step up in Harper's absence if they want to succeed like they were before.
1: Yeah, I mean this. We're gonna really see who the Phillies are, because <laughs> I mean, you, baseball is obviously a sport where one guy can't carry a whole team. Bryce Harper's been doing his best at that for years, and obviously they, you know, they just had their first above five hundred season last year. We're gonna see who the Phillies really are uh, in these coming months because they have the talent to be able to, you know, tread water without Bryce and even really set sail. You know, look at Reese Hoskins, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos has to get it going. Alec Baum has to start developing a little more JT Real Muto. The pitching staff is obviously fine with guys like Nola, Wheeler, Gibson, Ranger Suarez. The bullpen is obviously the bullpen, but, you know, it's, it's not impossible for this team to go on a run without Bryce. Uh, and if there's a time to really put more of an identity on this team, this is it.
0: Um. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um. I'm I'm pulling up the standings now uh seeing where the Phillies are. At. They're 8
1: games back of the Mets.
0: 8 games back of the Mets. They're 3 games back of the Cardinals for the third wild card spot. Um so yeah, I'm looking so at they're in it. Yeah, they're they're in it. But man, it's 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 hard for me to see this Phillies team get much above 500 in Bryce Harper's absence, it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, so I, I personally, I don't expect them to meet the challenge of maybe potentially getting into a, a playoff spot without Bryce Harper. Like, you know, when Bryce Harper comes back, them being in like the wild card spot or something personally, I don't expect that. However, if they, if they do that, they greatly exceed expectations and I, and I will applaud them for that, but that's, that's going to be very, very difficult to do. You're going to have to see a lot of guys uh, step up, especially offensively.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I think they have the, the talent to do it, but it's just a matter of if they'll do it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think also with Harper, I think – I feel like I, – I mean, this is just a, a – a feeling thing but i feel like he's kind of developed into a leader with the phillies um you know he's, this is his fourth year there um i feel like people kind of kind of listen to him and maybe he's more of a lead by example type but um but you know maybe he'll have some impact in the clubhouse still i don't know you, you, you can't really uh there's not really any statistics to back any of that up but um you know you you wonder you wonder uh what his impact will be, maybe still if he's not on the field, but anyway, that's all speculation um do we wanna get into uh players to highlight? yeah, let's do it um all right, so now we get into our Thursday yeah, June. 30th. 30th 2022
1: edition of um who do you have for us today so uh i'm looking at someone that i've i've talked to quite a bit about on this pod just in its existence and uh you know the fact that he's chasing something i'm talking about evan longoria who hmm. has been doing very well and hey cooperstown i don't think it's out of the question i think it's very realistic that we could be having a fair conversation on this Hall of Fame case when it's all said and done. Uh since May 25th, the same sample that you used for your last, uh, how about that? He is slashing 284-398-617 6, for a 960 OPS. He has the sixth highest weighted runs created plus among the 211 hitters with 90 plus plate appearances over that time. It's at 181. He is pulling the ball at a 43.5% clip this year, which is the highest rate he's ever had in the Statcast era. And when he pulls the ball, uh, he is hitting 459 with an 892 slugging percentage and a 916 expected slugging. That average ranks 21st among the 385 hitters with at least 50 batted balls and that x-slug also ranks 21st. Uh, has a 73.3% hard hit rate against sinkers this year it's only on 20 plate appearances but that's a lot and that is the 16th highest hard hit rate among the 2295 pitches with at least 10 plate appearances against any hitter
0: wow uh evan longoria um yeah succeeding well on sinkers and when he pulls the ball um Mm -hmm. so working well for him and uh good good to see him having a bit of a comeback because he started the year he started last year very well he got on the il um and i think after he came back from the il he kind of treaded water a little bit but good to see him coming back and and being at a similar level to was to to what he was at the beginning of uh last year before his injury um my how about that it's uh it's a little interesting it's a little, you know, I'm not, it's, it's not my most, um, analytical one, but I'm talking about Nico Horner. Um, he's been pretty interesting the whole year. He has, what I will say about Nico Horner, he is the same amount of F4 as Pete Alonzo. And, we've, you know, I think they obviously their skill sets are much different. Pete Alonzo is, a is a real slugger. Um, but also a bit of a de- defensive liability. Nico Horner is kind of the opposite of a slugger, but uh, great defensively, but they have the same F4. Um, and Pete Alonzo's uh, talked 2. about in, the, in yeah, 2.3 uh, Pete Alonzo's talked about in the, in the national league MVP race. Um, <laughs> Nico Horner is not, I understand why though, but yeah, Nico Horner, he's on pace for a five win season this year. Um, that's that's very good. That's, you know, in the National League that'll place you like top 20. Um it's uh you know, that's very good for Nico Horner. Uh he is 6th in Major League Baseball in outs above average and he is 4th in defensive runs above average. Um and then on the offensive side, he's hitting 304 with a 111 weighted runs created plus. Um and he is the only player this year in Major League Baseball with 10 plus defensive runs above average and a 300 plus batting average. Uh, along with that, out of 206 batters with 200 plus plate appearances, his strikeout rate is sixth lowest. And uh, his expected batting average this year is in the 97th percentile. He's hitting 304, but he's expected to have a 318 batting average this year, um, which is uh, very interesting. And along with that, his whiff rate. His swings and misses 95th percentile when he swings uh, about like 85% of the time he's making contact. So um, good on Nico Horner. Um, you know, he's a, he's someone where he's never really going to amaze you offensively. He's not a power hitter by any stretch, but if he's, <laughs> excuse me, if he's average offensively, he's that good defensively where he can be a very valuable asset Um you know, if, he, if he's just able to be an average offensive producer, um his defense really puts him above. And, you know, that's why he has uh, the same F-4 as Pete Alonzo, who's in the NL MVP race. So uh, shout out to Nico Horner. He's getting A. Hey,
1: this is um, very funny because I was so when I checked to see if we had done a giant yet, I was looking at the list and I was like, man, when are, when are we going to talk about a Cub? like a second before you said that i was like when are we going to talk about someone on the chicago cubs
0: when you know when someone has eight outs above average and above average
1: offense yeah yep a whole
0: a whole package kind of guy nico horner um i love that yeah um yeah he's he was uh yeah he was a first round draft pick too um
1: so he's he was kind of a one of my more... one of my go ahead one of my favorite tweets that I've ever had was uh when Nick Madrigal got traded to the uh to yeah. the Cubs when it was like a middle <sighs> infield with Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner you ever heard of no doubles defense how about no doubles offense
0: yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah Nico Horner yeah he's interesting I mean yeah he he hasn't had a lot of extra base hits but
1: you know Still never 11... forget when the first home run of the season was him off Corbin Burns. Oh yeah, that yeah,
0: that was a real brain twister.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you just never know what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah. And also it's funny because opening day is like the day of overreact overreacting. So people were like, oh Nathan yeah, Gordon well, I mean 50 home runs this year.
1: <laughs> you you tweeted a whole stat about Corbin Burns walking one guy well yeah
0: that that was just funny to me
1: (laughs) like obviously obviously that that, no that does leave out a lot of context but it does it does kind of exemplify the overreactions that happen on opening day
0: yeah for those unaware i'll still say it because it's very funny um corbin burns last year it took him 127 batters to for him to walk his first batter of 2021 and then last year it took one batter or no 2022 it took one batter um Yep. which it you know i didn't think i don't think it, uh, it's very funny yeah it's just funny it's just funny funny baseball things but
1: uh that's all it is yes of course, if corbin burns is still having an excellent year it's not yeah. exa- i mean it's not even fair to compare it to last year because that was a once in a lifetime type season
0: yeah and even like um but even still like era wise i think he's like very mm-hmm. similar which is which is funny um and uh so, yeah, I guess that'll uh, take us to um, the players and subjects that are underperforming with our June 30th, 2022 edition of
1: Slightly Alarming. Um, who do you have for us today? So, my Slightly Alarming is a very similar type of player to Nico Horner. You know, like, we know what to expect out of him, but he's been underperforming this year, and it's Adam Frazier of uh, the Seattle yeah. Mariners. One of the many reasons that the Mariners – have been underperforming as a team. Uh, overall, this year, his 293 slugging percentage ranks sixth worst among qualifiers. I know that, you know, when you think about slugging percentage, Adam Frazier is never a guy that comes to mind, but you, you need to have a good batting average to have a good slugging percentage. You know, the, huh. they're usually synonymous with one another because batting average goes into that. Uh, since May 19th, however, he is slashing 164, 240, 209 for a 447 OPS and a 36 weighted created plus. Each of the metrics ranked the bottom four among the 173 qualifiers since then. His sprint speed has never been below the 53rd percentile in any year of his career, and this year it has fallen to the 37th percentile. So his speed has gone pretty significantly down over the course of one year, which is is alarming because I feel like that's just usually not something that happens in one year. Um, and yeah. if you're a guy like Adam Frazier that usually hits for contact and not much for power, speed is kind of essential. Uh, his Babip on ground balls this year is at 125 and it has never fallen below 200 in a season. So, you know, when you're hitting ground balls, usually speed's going to bail you out of that. A lot of the time, it's not doing it for Frazier. Uh, he is the worst Babip on ground balls and obviously the worst batting average on ground balls. Uh, among the 121 hitters with at least 75 ground balls this year, he also has the worst OBP, which we could. Win. I mean, if he has the worst batting average, he has to have the worst OBP. He's the worst slugging percentage, naturally, the worst OPS, the worst weighted runs created plus at negative 31. So th- he has not been doing well there. And he's also struggled against off-speed pitches. Uh, his 105 batting average and his 158 slugging percentage against off-speed pitches this year ranked fourth and eighth worst, respectively, among the 126 hitters with at least 25 plate appearances against off-speed pitches.
0: Uh, yeah, Adam Frazier.
1: Slightly alarming.
0: Um, yeah the the sprint speed thing is is uh, very interesting. It uh, uh, yeah
1: that may, that kind of leads me to believe maybe he's playing hurt. I'm not a doctor, so I I'm in no position to diagnose anything, but I don't know. How do you explain a guy just, you know, maybe it is a thing with percentiles. I don't know exactly what his sprint speed is off the top of my head. I can check that. Um, yeah. But
0: potentially a thing where like there's more fast players in the league, but um, mm-hmm. it probably has a little something to do with Fraser.
1: Um.
0: But, yeah, Frazier is one of those um, Mariners acquisitions that, you know, Hmm. people were a little excited uh, about.
1: I can just tell you this right now. So, if we're going by – so, he debuted in 2016. um, His average sprint speed by year, 27.8 feet per second, 27.5, 27.2, 27.2, 27.1, 27.1, 26.6. Oh, yeah. So – I mean, you know, it had been I'm not going to knock him for having it gradually go down because that's probably extremely natural for you to, you know, get slower as you age into your 30s. But I mean, that's a pretty steep drop off from one year to another. If you're if, even just if you're looking at the rest of them, you know, twenty seven point eight down to twenty seven point five. That's point three. Another point three. Stayed the same. Went down by one. Stayed the same. Went down by point five.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not great. And like you know, if you're, if you're a a contact hitter, like Frazier is, um, if you have a lower sprint speed like that, your career is looked at a little differently and your longevity is looked at a little differently. So, um, yeah, you, you almost hope it's an injury so that he can recover and run a little faster. Um, and yeah, Frazier is one of those Mariners acquisitions where, uh, you know he was expected to be a little bit better. You know he was an all-star last year. He, he tapered off a little bit uh, towards the end, um, but he. You his know average
1: was, ninety foot. His average ninety foot sprint, by the way. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but his average ninety foot sprint is also at its highest point. It had never been below above. Well, I guess it was four point eight in twenty twenty. Never in a full season that had been above four point three, but this year it's at four point nine. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, he's he's kind of a, a, on a list with uh, Winker, Suarez, Robbie Ray of Mariners ac- acquisitions who haven't been what mm-hmm. the Mariners expected him to be.
1: No, but the Mariners, the Robbie Ray has been doing much better lately.
0: Yeah, I've I've definitely seen that for sure. It's had some good mm-hmm. like one run, zero run performances. Um. All right, so that leads to my slightly alarming um a little basic here but i'm talking about you know earlier in the show we were talking about how um you know adley rushman has gone on a similar path of like bobby witt jr and julio rodriguez of having just a bad few for bad first couple of games or first like week or so and then turning it around very quickly
1: this better Uh, not be what i think it is a
0: guy who has not um, who has not experienced that turnaround is Spencer Torkelson. Okay. Um, that's
1: fine. That's fine. I thought you were going to say O'Neal Cruz. I was like, <laughs> dude, he's played like five games. Relax.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. Not O'Neal Cruz. Um, no, only the pirates front office can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just send him back down. Um, yeah. Spencer Torkelson in his last 23 games, he's hitting, 156 with a 418 OPS uh, out of 183 qualifiers in the month of June. He has the third lowest slugging and third lowest weighted runs created plus. Um, also should be noted, Torkelson has not hit a home run in his last 119 plate appearances, which is pretty alarming when, you know, he was brought up as a power hitting first baseman. Um, his A lot of his value comes in being able to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, but he hasn't done that in the last 119 plate appearances, which is, you know, about 20% of your year without a home run. Uh, Also, he has only had three extra base hits in the month of June. And overall this year as a whole, uh, he has the worst wins above replacement in baseball. Um, So offensively, he's not been able to produce. And defensively, he hasn't been, uh, hasn't been very good either. So Spencer Torgelson
1: slightly alarming
0: um so yeah that does it for players to highlight um we will get into a preview of the weekend ahead weekend plus ahead as uh this includes thursday as well Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna be talking about the series to watch daniel will be highlighting the day-by-day pitching matchups that are going on Um, in terms of series to watch, (coughs) um, there's a couple, um, I will say that, um, Blue Jays Rays, interesting Rays have been kind of an average team lately with all the injuries they've had, um, the lineups they've been trotting out have not been great. Uh, Blue Jays, Blue Jays have been. Decent as of late. Um, They're both kind of around that in that uh, kind of a traffic jam of second to fourth place in the American league East right now. Um, But, you know, very well in playoff contention. That's a four game series that will be happening at the Rogers center. And then we have uh, the, the headliner series is a four game series between The Dodgers and Padres, uh, a real fight for the top of that National League West. Um, That'll be at Dodger Stadium. Um, Great matchup there on the West Coast, uh, so definitely check that out.
1: What do you got for the day-by-day matchups? So on Thursday, obviously a pretty small slate of games tonight. Shane Bieber will be going against Chris Archer in uh, the finale of Guardians Twins, I believe. Yeah, they've been playing each other uh, at Progressive Fields. Luis Severino and Luis Garcia will be facing each other in the All Luis matchup at uh, Minute Maid Park. That's a four-game step between the Yankees and Astros, correct?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Well, it, if it's starting, it start if tonight? It starting
1: tonight, it has to be. Yeah.
0: Would be funny if it just ended on Sunday or ended on Saturday.
1: <laughs> why is that not the Sunday night matchup? Like we were talking before the show, why don't why do they give it to the Cardinals Phillies and not Padres Dodgers? Why don't they give it to the Yankees Astros?
0: Yeah, what the heck and heck.
1: What is, what is, what, what, why? Why does ESPN, why, why do they?
0: I don't even think the Phillies are that big of a team, yet they're on Sunday Night Baseball no. at six times And they're,
1: I mean, not that, not that it's ESPN's fault, but they don't even have Bryce Harper now. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like ESPN couldn't have predicted that, but. Not like, like, other than like. Like, who gets people excited on the Cardinals? Like, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnado, sure. But, like, Adam Wainwright is going to be pitching that game. But is anyone really tuning in being like, I got to watch Adam Wainwright?
0: Yeah. No. Like, no. You, you don't think, uh, you don't think old Paul DeYoung is kicking the tires? Who's in AAA? No. Oh. Yeah, I was trying to think of a standard. Yeah, standard Cardinal.
1: <laughs> yeah, have don't Tyler O'Neill. He's on the. I was IL. gonna say Tommy. Anyway,
0: he's actually doing well.
1: But he's actually doing well. No. Um. Yeah, Harrison Bader just went on the IL. Yeah. yeah as well. Yadier Molina. He's not exactly a standard player.
0: Yeah, it's it's just it's, it's just weird. Like Astros they do have Yankees- some low-key
1: young, exciting guys. Like, if you're a baseball nerd, I'd understand why you're excited to watch Juan Yepes. but if you're a casual who's turning into Sunday Night Baseball, I don't think you care.
0: Because also, like, you can't even say, because sometimes, you know, uh, uh, teams will play back-to-back weeks, and it's like, you can only do one of them for Sunday Night Baseball. They didn't have Mm -hmm. Sunday Night Baseball, they didn't have Yankees Astros for Sunday Night Baseball last week, either. What'd they have? A couple of baseball teams.
1: They did, yeah. I you're absolutely I, right on that. I don't know, but like, <laughs> I need to check. I don't even remember who the Sunday night matchup was last week. I, I was not paying attention. Um, it was Dodgers Braves. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it was Dodgers Braves. <laughs> okay, but still, Yankees Astros. Really? It should be this. It should be this week. Yeah, that or Padres Dodgers. Yeah, like that's like you know how many? Yeah, that or Padres Dodgers. That's a national. That's a national matchup that people would tune in for, Yankees Astros. Because you know what? There's so much bad there. Even if it's all in the past, and maybe people have been holding on to it for too long, that people are tuning in for that. And this is no disrespect to the Phillies or Cardinals, but like, that's not a match national story. Like you, we, you and I mocked the beginning of the show. It's the it's the 2011 revenge series. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> I what like what are we well, doing? It's supposed to be the national game of the week, but it's basically the one national game that people care about. That's you know that, that's on its own,
0: right? Like you know, but,
1: ESPN does a Monday and Wednesday night game, but there are other games going on. The Sunday night game is we specifically pick one game that everyone can watch. There's nothing else on. Like you gotta be watching this one. How do we make it Phillies Cardinals and not Yankees Astros or Dodgers Padres?
0: Yeah, it's so silly. Like. Yeah, and that's your one, basically your one opportunity to have the national audience. I mean, like, it's on ESPN, it's going to be at every, like, sports bar, you know, people are going to be tuned in, and it's going to be Cardinals-Phillies instead of Yankees-Astros, which has been a national storyline for a little bit.
1: For, like, two and a half years now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe it has dragged on, but it's still alive. Yep, yep. Anyway, Adrian Hauser and JT Brubaker will be facing each other in Brewers Pirates at PNC. Uh, Graham Ashcraft and Kyle Hendricks will be facing each other tonight at Wrigley. That's Reds Cubs, Graham Ashcraft. Uh, I think he's been pretty underrated this year. Joe Musgrove and Mitch White will be facing each other in Padres Dodgers. Uh, And Logan Gilbert will be facing the A's for the Mariners. Uh, in Seattle, the matchup of the night comes from Braves Phillies. It'll be Ian Anderson versus Aaron Nola. That'll um, be a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Anderson has been struggling lately, but um, he's looking to get back on track. On Friday, it'll be Canada Day, and Jose Barrios will be facing the Rays for the Blue Jays, of course, in Toronto in the red uniforms. Those are those are nice. I believe they I believe they started wearing them like just more than Canada Day recently.
0: Yeah, I've, I've noticed. Which is cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, Miles Michaelis will be facing the uh, Phillies for the Cardinals in Citizens Bank on uh, on Friday. Max Freed and Mike Miner will face each other in Braves Reds. Corbin Burns and Rodney Contreras will face each other in Brewers Pirates. You will have Chris Bassett facing the Rangers for the Mets. Uh, It's a former division rival of his, of course. Garrett Cole will be facing the Guardians uh, in Cleveland. Merrill Kelly and Antonio Sanzatella will be facing each other in uh, Diamondback and Rockies. Uh, You will have Trevor Rogers and Josiah Gray facing each other in uh, Marlins and Nats. That's a slightly alarming end date. How about that? Uh, Michael Lorenzen will be on the mound for the first time since the... that brawl or not the brawl the game before the brawl which kind of sparked it I believe or no no sorry he faced the Mariners like a week before anyway scratch what I said Michael Lorenzo will be facing the Astros in Houston Spencer Watkins and Joe Ryan will be facing each other in Orioles twins James Caprillion and Marco Gonzalez will be facing each other in A's Mariners Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb will be facing each other in White Sox and Giants in San Francisco and match of the night comes from Padres Dodgers it'll be Blake Snell versus Tony Gonsolin Nice. And then on Saturday, uh, you will have – I'm just waiting for – okay, Jordan Lyles and Sonny Gray facing each other in Orioles Twins. You will have Matt Liberatore and Kyle Gibson facing each other in Cardinals Phillies. Uh, That's match for the night. I'm going to save that. You will have Patrick Sandoval facing the Astros for the Angels – You will have Brady Singer and Alex Fado facing facing each other in Royals Tigers. Otherwise not a, you know, thrilling matchup, but those are two interesting guys for sure, young guys. Uh, Paul Blackburn and George Kirby will be facing each other in Athletics versus Mariners. Martin Perez will be facing the Mets at Citi Field for the Rangers. Tyler Malley will be facing the Braves for the Reds in Cincinnati. Uh, Josh Winkowski will be facing the Cubs for the Red Sox. He's been an interesting arm uh, in the early goings of uh, this season, his career, so to speak. You will also have Yu Darvish and Tyler Anderson facing each other in Padres-Dodgers. Uh, Dallas Keuchel and Austin Gomber facing each other in uh, Diamondbacks and Rockies. I forgot Dallas Keuchel was on the Diamondbacks. Oh, yeah. I, actually, me I, too. He actually did like okay his last time out. Uh, and you will have Match of the Night comes from White Sox-Giants. You will have Dylan Seas versus Logan Webb.
0: Ooh-wee. Gotta love that. Yeah,
1: that is a good matchup. That's cool. And on Sunday, the last day of the week. Yes, that's correct. um, You will have Bo Brisky facing the Royals for the Tigers in Comerica. Pablo Lopez will be facing the uh, Nationals for the Marlins. I almost said the other way around. Jose Quintana will face the Brewers for the Pirates. John Gray will face the Mets for the Rangers. Luis Castillo will face the Braves for the Reds in Cincinnati. Um, Tyler, Tyler Wells and Devin Smeltzer will be facing each other in the uh, in the Lucky Bowl. If you look at their numbers recently, uh, that's for them. You have Lucas Giolito and Anthony Discalfani facing each other in White Sox and Giants. Mackenzie Gore and Clayton Kershaw on Sunday for the uh, Pirates and Padres and Dodgers. The Frankie Montas-Robbie Ray Part 2 will be taking place. And Adam Wainwright will be pitching on Sunday Night Baseball against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Match of the night, I think this is an underrated one. Comes from Diamondbacks Rockies. You got Zach Allen versus Chad Cole. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Wainwright against the Phillies. Who's he facing? Uh, Cole Hamels? (laughs)
1: Yep. He's
0: got Cole Hamels.
1: Funny thing is, he wasn't even there in 2011 for the Revenge series.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I tried not to go with like a specific 2011 guy. Um, I
1: guess, I guess Yadier Molina or Albert Pujols.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, what's uh, what's Albert Pujols' numbers against Ryan Madsen? <laughs> Got to look for that. Got to do the scouting report. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for uh this installment of above replacement radio. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, um, or just uh you know go to some shortened clips or check out the uh history series and its playlist, uh just go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Uh also if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Deonta, and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next week where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball. Once again, see you then this conversation, this conversation is over is over.